Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast this week. Thanks for hanging out with George and I here on the Prosper Podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement with George McReynolds, Wealth Manager and Chief Tax Strategist at Protective Wealth Care. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Hey, Mark. How you been? Hanging in there, doing all right. I got to ask you, man, this GameStop thing, I know it's on the tail end of this now, but we hadn't had a chance to talk uh, until this week. And uh, this whole thing went viral. It was pretty interesting. And so I wanted to bring it up with you and just kind of get your take on it and have you kind of explain it to some of your uh, audience and listeners as to what it was and what went on with it. So you feel like talking about that with me? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the story's done yet. Okay. All right. Well, so first, let's just kind of give a quick little recap, if you will, I suppose, George, for those who maybe caught a bit of it or didn't really pay that much attention or even some that were just really curious but not understanding what in the world happened. So what is GameStop and why were people caring? Well, GameStop is a brick-and-mortar video game store where you go to a shopping center just like you would Blockbuster or West Coast Video and you rent a game or buy a game or you could also trade them in. And uh, because of the pandemic, they hit some pretty hard times. Sure. And, uh, like many of the distressed companies, it was targeted by short sellers betting that the stock price would go down. Uh, basically, short sellers do the opposite of what everyone else does. They try to make money when the stock price falls. What they do is they borrow the shares from their broker for a fee. Of course, there's a fee. Right. And then they immediately sell the shares, and then they buy them back later when the price is lower. But shorting is a strategy used by certain types of hedge funds, but it, it's unlimited risk. The, theoretically, the price could go high to the sky, and then they'd have to replace it at that higher. Gotcha. Where when you're when you're buying and selling just a regular stock, you can only lose your investment. And so what's a short squeeze then? Because we were hearing about this being a squeeze. Well, like I said, it's it's risky. Positive news or interest in a company can drive the stock price up. And then when the short sellers bet wrong, the stock price rises. And now they're forced to, to buy at higher prices. So then as they all try to buy the shares, they're driving the price up even further. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where the squeeze part comes in. When they scramble to cover their positions, and then the more who buy, the higher it gets, and on and on. Okay. So it could be, could be exposing them to huge losses. And that's really where the next part of the, the conversation came in then is with this Reddit thing. So Reddit is a, I guess, like a forum, online forum type of deal or whatever. And so a bunch of people got together and I guess a couple guys led this charge. So where does that, how does that all factor in with the Reddit deal? Well, there's a a popular Reddit community called Wall Street Bets and they have a forum and a very popular community of chat rooms and forums. And by banding together, and they coordinated their buying activity. These small-time traders, they boosted the stock price far above what the company's financial support, uh, putting pressure on the hedge funds that, that were betting the other way. Mm. So the stock went viral. Right. More people bought it, more people wanted to, to buy it. You know, George, it kind of reminds me, I know it's not exactly the same, but you remember that movie Trading Places back in the early 80s with Eddie Murphy and uh, Dan Aykroyd? 
Exactly. Hysterical. Great movie. Yeah, and at the end of it where they kind of put the squeeze on the two old guys because they're trying to corner the market on orange juice. For a dollar. For a dollar. Yeah, so it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. So anyway, so the social media chatter kind of comes into play with this. Uh, and then we were hearing things about Robinhood. I guess that's a trading app, correct? And and just so on and so forth. So it got kind of, I guess it got really even more convoluted with all these other pieces. Can you kind of enlighten us a little bit there? Well, Robinhood is a trading platform. They're very popular with young millennial investors. They're kind of high tech or easy tech. Okay. And so that caught on kind of the same people that were uh, were on Wall Street Bets Forum were using Robinhood. Okay, gotcha. Now, what what the uh, the small-time investors were doing, it's not illegal. They were kind of egging each other on to buy the stock and, and screw the, um, the hedge fund. The hedge fund, yeah. But Robinhood froze the trading of the stock. Oh. And what many people think was the reason for that was that they wanted to protect the big guys because all the buying was driving up the price. And that's kind of the opposite of what you would expect from a Robin Hood, you know, take from the rich, give to the poor. Yeah, yeah. They kind of were screwing the little guys to protect the big guys. And uh, that's still that still needs to be proven and it's being examined by a number of regulators. But that's, that's kind of where Robinhood came in is they froze. A few other platforms did as well, uh-huh. but they didn't because, do it because there was like fraud. It wasn't like Enron or, you know, suddenly Madoff or, or something else going on. Okay. Uh, they kind of did it pr- to protect a small group of investors rather than the market overall. Okay. Because a lot of times, I mean, basically hedge funds do this on the regular, right? So the whole idea well, of what, and, and it wasn't just GameStop, right? They turned their attention on uh, what AMC movie theaters, I think BlackBerry, which I was shocked that BlackBerry was even there. So this is something that hedge funds do on the regular. So basically this group of people kind of did a David versus Goliath kind of deal, right? Well, not exactly. No? I like to okay. think more. I like to think of it more as Ewoks and Jar Jar Binks versus Darth <laughs> Vader and the Emperor. Or even uh, Ferris Bueller versus Principal Rooney. Oh, my. Uh, it's, it's much more lighthearted. Again, I'm, it is a serious subject. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a tempest in a teapot when we're all done. But it is getting a lot of attention. Uh, now that we don't have the election to focus on, people needed something else to, to, uh, to, to gossip about. So is it a bubble? Is it, I mean, is it something we're going to see more of? You know, I heard that they were turning their attention towards silver. I mean, lots of interesting conversation. I can say it's interesting times. And ultimately what it will help to do is make the market more to, to assign capital where it really belongs in, in developing the economy and developing companies. And sometimes it's those other factors. The, there are other factors that get brought into play rather than the, the real economics and the improvement of, I think it was uh, Milton Friedman mm-hmm. said that capitalism is the sum total of all the individuals trying to improve their lives on a daily basis. And the markets as we see them today is not doing that. Uh, there's so much concentration of wealth and so much concentration of power that it kind of ignores the little guys. It doesn't really give them an opportunity. So this is helping to bring that playing field a little more level, but it's a, it's a long way away. But I do tend to agree that, you know, Wall Street pulling the strings and these are the small traders who are angry. It's just an opportunity to stick it to the man. And uh, 
Go team. So they so because basically the stock was pretty low when this started, right, George? And it got pushed up, I think, up into four hundreds. And so they basically trapped the hedge. Is my understanding correct? Did the hedge go under? Did it collapse the hedge on this? The, well, the hedge fund. You yeah, mean? yeah, the hedge fund. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, as far as I know, no hedge funds have collapsed as a result of it. Oh, okay. They uh, it probably called them in off of the golf course, and, uh, <laughs> and they had like, "What the heck's going on?" Right, right. Uh, and they hustled, but to my knowledge, no one, none of them have gone gone out of business yet. Okay, well, let's bring it down into the to the you know for regular folks here. It, you know, any clients of yours calling and asking about this? I know you know I've, I talk with other advisors, and you know, folks were curious if this was a you know like a new tech bubble they should be interested in, or you know, just that frenzy kind of has people calling from time to time saying, "Hey, is this something I should?" jump on almost like a Bitcoin type of deal. Right. And, uh, did you see much action in that way? Did people call asking what was the deal and should they learn I was, more? I was surprised. Uh, family members, younger people, that people that weren't actually clients, but acquaintances, uh-huh. and it was suddenly getting uh, a lot of their attention. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, any further implications to the frenzy you see? I know you addressed a little bit of that already. Just kind of, uh, some final takeaways. Well, it was massively inflated. I think it, it still may be from, from its financial fundamentals. Uh-huh. And trading has been holding multiple times at multiple multiple platforms and exchanges. Okay. And uh, people have just been piling in just to say that they were there. Uh, years ago, I had clients that owned uh, Enron. They inherited and the stock was trading less than a dollar. So I had them contact the issuing company and uh get their shares as certificates rather than as, uh, as uh, statements. Right. And, uh, so they got, they got about 10 different stock certificates for Enron and they became worth a lot more than, than the actual ownership was. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was just kind of like having shares in the Titanic company. So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't want to make fun of, you know, of people that are losing money. Sure. Yeah. But, no. uh, it, this is, this is the market in, we're seeing the enormous power of of the masses of the internet of these forums and the, the little guys are, are are getting some some power back well you know so, it, it is interesting george because i think to your point with that i saw a story where a gentleman took like three hundred thousand dollars like he cleared out all of his retirement nest egg and everything and jumped on it to try and he and he was successful quickly enough and he made money on that. But that to me, that's the same, that's the whole, you know, Vegas mentality. I mean, you're trying to swing for the fence and, and that's just not a smart move when you're talking about your retirement funds. If you want to dabble in something like that a little bit, we've talked about that many times where you've got a small piece of your play money, if you will, but you just don't want to go risking your retirement. Right. It's uh, PT Barnum was right. The fool and his money are soon parted. A lot of stock trading in penny stocks, stocks listed for less than $5, uh-huh. kind of create these rumors, puff the, the stock up, and then get other people invested in it and, and then jump in it. But uh, never risk more than you can afford to lose. So if $300,000 was only a part of his $3 billion portfolio, all power to him. Right. That was everything. That's just That's just foolish. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, any final thoughts as we wrap up the podcast this week, George, on this interesting and maybe not done yet story? Well, you know, as a student of economics and of the stock market, I'm just, I don't don't want to say if amused is the right word, but we've seen frenzies like this before. There was literally a tulip mania in the 1630s where people were driving up the prices of tulips to incredible levels. 
there was the nifty 50s in the 70s, actually started around 68. And then the bubble burst in uh, 1973 when the oil embargo started. So these were companies that they said, they're going to go to infinity, so it doesn't matter what you pay for it. Hmm. And then uh, if you've read my articles before, I, I talk about how Disney was the first company to crack. So we've seen that. And then, of course, we have the dot-coms in the 1990s. And we've got the Bitcoin, you know, the multiples. Uh, oh, yeah. I think that's that's another bubble that's going to burst and, and is going to impoverish a lot of people that shouldn't even be investing in it. But we'll see. We're going to see more of this in the future. It, it happens from time to time. It's man's nature to seek out these manias. <laughs> very, very true. And that's why it's a good idea to work with somebody who can help you, you know, kind of talk you off the ledge. You know, one of the things we, we mention often on the show and, and just in general is that with you're working with a, a financial professional, someone like Georgia Wealth Manager, it's a great sounding board because you might hear about some of these things and you think, hey, is this for me? Is this something I should, you know, pay attention to? And instead of like this gentleman who risked way too much, you know, you can reach out to your advisor, you can reach out to George and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What's, uh, you know, what do you think here? And they can either, you know, advise you, talk you off the ledge. I mean, they're just a great sounding board to help you get yourself in a better situation so that you don't risk a little too much. And when it comes to retirement, as George said, you never want to risk more than you can afford to lose. So if you got questions or concerns, folks, you should know what to do by now. But if not, reach out to George at 215-699-1050 to have a conversation about your unique specific situation 215-699-1050 is how you can call him don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you'd like to do so at prosperpodcast.com that's prosperpodcast.com you can find us on apple google spotify all the major platforms as well and george thank you my friend for your time i appreciate you explaining this to us a little bit Oh, great talking to you, Mark. Uh, take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk again in a few weeks. Yep, we'll see you soon here on the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds from Protective Wealth Care, and we'll talk to you next time, folks. George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, Finra Sipic. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.